The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Yeah, don't it sound so epic? Horns are screaming, I ain't the one you want to mess with. Use a joke, I ain't the one you want to jest with. The battle's coming, you only got a few seconds to run. Hello, Bengals fans. I am Matt Minnick, and this is Chalk Talk. The Bengals are about to kick off the Joe Burrow era, and they will be starting off hosting the Los Angeles Chargers. My guest today covers the Chargers for SB Nations, both for the blue. It is Michael Peterson. Michael, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well, man. It's, uh, again, two days from the season. It feels crazy to even say that, but I honestly couldn't be more excited. Yeah, we were talking a little bit before we started recording, and uh, definitely, you know, I, I, I'm I'm on with the Bengals, but without preseason football and everything else going on, I, you know, I don't really feel like I'm in tune with the rest of the NFL. So, definitely need to get a little bit caught up on the Chargers heading into this week. So I feel like I know what's going on on Sunday. But uh, I, I tell you what, one thing that that we do know about that that made national news was Derwin James. Uh, unfortunately, you know, one of the best, young, exciting defensive players in the league injured, uh, and he is out. Overall, how would you uh, rate the Chargers' health coming out of this unconventional offseason and preseason camp? Uh, I'd honestly rate it pretty well. Um, besides Derwin James, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here scanning all the the reports and everything, the depth chart, and it looks like, for the most part, everyone's good to go. Besides Derwin James, which is obviously a huge loss, I think the next notable name is Mike Pouncey, and there hasn't been any real news or official statements on, on his health, but in our most recent call with Anthony Lim, he did mention that there's no, uh, no further reports on the health of Mike Pouncey, who has been held out, I, I think, to, uh, some of the practices to end last week. And, I mean, he's, you know, one of the veterans on the offensive line. Uh, he was a big free agent had a couple of years ago. He's a big part of, you know, this offensive potential success. And for whatever reason, he has an undisclosed injury that we've heard nothing about. And, you know, we haven't heard he's out, but we also haven't heard that he's going to be fine. So um, besides those two, I'd say this is a pretty good uh, training camp for the Chargers to only come out with two players technically injured. So how about Mike Williams? I, I know he's – uh, they said he's going to be a game-time decision. Uh, you know, what I'm judging from from Chargers Twitter that I see, I'm sure you see a, 
uh, a whole lot more charges to it than I do. Uh, they, the fans don't seem very optimistic about it. Uh, how, how do you feel about that? And then how do you feel about their depth of that position? Because uh, from what I've heard, it sounds like you know rookie uh, Ohio State's KJ Hill uh, or, or fellow rookie Joe Reed, you know, could really be uh, thrust in the limelight if if Williams isn't able to go. Yeah, and I, I can't believe I, I forgot the Mike Williams injury. Um, you know, sorry about that, trash fans. If anyone's listening to this, but uh, yeah. So as of right now, I think the timetable can be anywhere from two to six weeks with Williams' injury. And and his uh, the OC Shane Steichen said, you know, he's got the mindset, quote unquote, to play uh, opening week. But I think, again, with a guy who had some injuries when he came into the league, missed you know, a good amount of time as a rookie, Williams did, that they're not going to try to rush him back, especially in a season that could be very pivotal uh, for Anthony Lane. Again, going into the new stadium, it, it's an important season. So I don't think they're going to rush Mike Williams. Um, if anything, I wouldn't be surprised to see him miss at least the first two weeks. Again, they're just not going to want to rush a player who's had injury concerns in the past. And as far as their depth goes, you know, they, they did just release their, their depth chart here. And it, it, there's no surprises, to be totally honest. you got Keenan Allen opposite him is going to be Jalen Guyton, which, you know, is a name not many people know. He's an undrafted free agent who initially signed with the Cowboys um, after last year's draft. But he's got some decent size. He's 6'1", 6'2", about 212 pounds. Reportedly can run a sub 4440, which is some speed that the Chargers haven't had for quite some time. So that'll be interesting to see if he's able to kind of take a step and and really make an impact right away with the, the loss of Williams. But then you got these two rookies, right? And you mentioned K.J. Hill from Ohio State, came from the Buckeyes, uh, their all-time school leader in receptions. And then Joe Reed, who, who's going to be the team's kick returner, and we'll see if he can make as much of an impact as the receiver as well. But my money is on K.J. Hill. The guy is almost like a, a Keenan Allen light. He studied Keenan Allen's film through college, um, really plays like him, not a ton of you know speed with him, but a lot of nuance to his route running and, and knows how to get open. But depth, you know, looking at the chart, they only list four wide receivers, but they kept four tight ends as well. So I think if anything in this week one matchup, you're probably going to see a lot of two wide receivers set, uh, maybe some 21 personnel, maybe even getting some more, you know, two tight end sets than what the Chargers are used to doing over the last couple of years. But um, depth-wise, it's a little bit of a worry at the moment. Well, you mentioned that, and, in the in the recent seasons, uh, the Bengals have had a lot of trouble covering tight ends and running backs. They've made some major changes at linebacker, and obviously, without a preseason, we're going to have to see how that all shakes out. But um, the, the Chargers have Hunter Henry, you know, excellent player. Has had trouble staying on the field at times, but you know, excellent receiving tight end and uh, Austin Eckler. Uh, in the backfield, who's another, you know, talented receiver, you know, who just doesn't line up at wide receiver necessarily all the time. So what do you think overall between the guys you've, you've mentioned and and the tight end running backs about the pass catchers uh, that, that the Chargers are coming into the season with? You know, I think it's a better group than maybe it gets credit for. And, you know, the loss of Mike Williams, who was a 1,000-yard receiver last season, two years ago, as a second-year player. He had 11 total touchdowns, 10 through the air. Um, so that's a significant loss. But then you remember how much Austin Eckler, as a running back, is used in the passing game. And then you remember that they've got one of the best tight ends in the NFL just in terms of being able to, to catch passes and run block. I think he's one of the more complete tight ends um, in the league. I don't think those things can be understated. As a, a new quarterback, under center, and Tyrod Taylor, 
and, you know, whether it's him or Justin Herbert down the line, um, they like to have the running backs in tight ends get used because those are, you know, what most teams would probably consider safety valves, right? Those are the guys you can dump off when they're not comfortable making, you know, downfield passes and, and being able to make reads as fast as they'd like. So those two will play huge roles, I think, no matter who's under center. But overall, I, I think you've got a bunch of different weapons. They're all good at one different thing. It's, it's a decent basketball team, quote-unquote, you know, as some people like to say. Uh, through pass-catching groups, you kind of try to make a basketball team and there's someone who's good at, you know, this or that. It kind of rounds out the whole group. So I, I do think it's good, but the lack of Mike Williams, at least to start the season, um, definitely, you know, knocks it down a few pegs. Yeah, and, you know, what I saw a really good segue in there from what you said to, to start talking about tight ends, which made me skip over Keenan Allen altogether. I know you mentioned him, but uh, I would be remiss not to not to mention Allen because, you know, the Bengals have some, some talented receivers, and, and they've got a guy in A.J. Green who's been injured and people have forgotten how good he is, and they've got a guy in Tyler Boyd who they just haven't been good enough for Boyd to get the attention he deserves. Keenan Allen, um, although, you know, I think he's respected league-wise, league excuse me, league-wide, um, I, I don't know if he gets the top 10, you know, receiver attention that he really should because uh, he's an incredible route runner, excellent player, and, and like I said, I feel underrated by, you know, fans at large. Not underrated by the Chargers, though. They just gave him uh, $80 million in an extension over four years. Uh, how, are you, how are you feeling about Allen, about the future uh, of Allen with – a young quarterback coming up the pipe. Yeah, man, that, that uh, extension, that new deal, that money for Allen is, is huge, right? And, um, you know, just the way the market was going, we all kind of expected that if Allen was going to get a new deal, we didn't, you know, fans probably didn't think he'd reset the market. He'd be the number one wide receiver. No one thought that. We thought he'd get paid, you know, upward in the top three, four area. And, and turns out he's, he's number two in terms of average, you know, yearly earnings. He's just, I think he's ahead of Amari Cooper for number two by just 25000 per year. I mean, it was uh, Cooper, you know, is 20 a year, and he gets 20.025, which is, you know, whatever, they get the job done. But as far as Allen goes, yes, I, I still think no matter what, he's an underrated receiver. And even though he was playing with uh, a phenomenal quarterback in Phil Rivers, who, you know, potentially a future Hall of Famer, um, I still don't think he got enough chances to really show what he can do. And, for a guy who can't burn someone with pure speed um, and win with, again, 100% his athletic ability, the guy just knows how to get open. And he knows how to create separation. I mean, he, he is, you know, a basketball player with his releases. You know, he can cross over defensive backs. He can gain separation without being, you know, a 4-3, low 4-4 type receiver. Um, but the thing is, you look at his numbers, and, and if there's – if Keenan's been anything, it's been consistent the last three years, right? He's, he's averaged, I think, 101 catches, uh, 1,200 yards, and six touchdowns, and, like, on the dot. Like, he's had six touchdowns the last three years exactly. So if he's anything, it's not, in, uh, you know, consistent. Um, but this will be a big year. Uh, again, being a number one wide receiver who's known for being a target, you know, vacuum, uh, these guys are going to pelt him with looks, and he does have an opportunity to potentially be, you know, to have a rookie year, not rookie, but a career year, whether it's, you know, touchdowns, some yards just from being, like, you know, obviously their main focus. Um, I think he deserves everything. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, this team could be a lot worse. And, you know, thinking about not extending Allen or not giving him new money 
and he's still trying to deal with a rookie quarterback, you know, Herbert, um, trying to be the guy for the future. I just couldn't see that being successful, him being successful, without a guy like Allen to rely upon in the passing game. Yeah, particularly with, uh, you know, with the Mike Williams situation and everything going on. And, and definitely good to lock him up and, and give him, you know, very good money, but not ridiculous uh, DeAndre Hopkins money. <laughs> we yes, just exactly. Uh, go down. So uh, definitely not something that's going to gonna cripple you. You know, you're, you're looking at having uh, a rookie quarterback contract, but you don't have to spend it all in one place. So <laughs> that's uh, – that's good. Now I, I uh, talk about uh, talking about Herbert. All right, so Herbert was the third quarterback selected in this draft. Obviously, the Bengals took Burrow at the top. Uh, Tua went one selection before the Chargers took Herbert. What are your thoughts on Herbert and his future? Is is there a lot of confidence there, um, or is there you know a contingent that was you know really holding out hope hoping that they you know try and move up and grab two or or somebody else i would say that a lot of people thought there was a chance they were going to go up and get Tua in all honesty um i personally like Tua coming out of the draft over herbert um i saw if you just threw on the film and you know watch them both side by side i thought Tua just looked way uh, way more natural in his throwing motion and being off schedule, out of structure, making plays. I think that's a big deal when, um, you know, trying to transition from college to the NFL usually. And look at Patrick Mahomes, right, a guy that, you know, some people didn't think he was a top three potential quarterback in that draft class. But because of his just innate ability to play almost like backyard football, to make something out of nothing, pretty much on a consistent basis is what kind of, you know, rocketed him up to superstardom. Obviously, he just won the Super Bowl, and, you know, you can't do much better than that through your first couple of seasons. I thought Tua was closer to that type of player than Herbert was. But there's something to be said about Herbert. You know, he won a good amount of games. He didn't throw a lot of interceptions. Um, he's a guy who's used to taking care of the football. And, you know, he has a almost a Josh Allen-esque, ability of using his legs to kind of make something out of nothing as well. Um, I don't think a lot of people thought Josh Allen for the Bills was going to be a guy who used his legs a lot. Well, all of a sudden they ran, you know, a QB power with him once, and he went for 15, 20 yards. And all of a sudden their coaching staff said, oh, my God, we can we can run with this quarterback. And I think there might be some form of a, a epiphany, right, some form of discovery that they can use and utilize uh, Herbert's skill going forward. But in all honesty, going through training camp, what we've heard, uh, watching hard knocks, a lot of those veterans, guys like Chris Harris Jr. and their wide receiver coach Phil McGowan, were were very vocal about their praise of, of Herbert. You know, and it, this past episode that showed him having a down day, and then you know two days later he came back and had a really good day. And you know, again, it's a show. I understand it's edited, but for having these, these veterans and coaches, you know, when they're not you know technically in front of a bunch of other people, say you know this guy is. You know, this is a heck of a play. He's doing a heck of a job. Like, watch 10 out there, man. He's, he's absolutely killing it. I think that does give you a little more confidence in his progression. But, again, he still is a rookie. He played in a very non-pro style offense at Oregon. He took his bumps and bruises. He's going to continue to take his bumps and bruises. Um, but it could be so much worse right now for, for a starting quarterback or for a you know, first-round quarterback. So uh, I didn't have a lot of confidence when they first drafted him. But right now I'd say, you know, the needle's pointing up. So when do you think you're going to see him? Yeah, I, I've been asked that question quite a bit, and my answer, I, at least the one I, I don't see changing too much, is their first five games are going to be very important, I think, depending on how soon Herbert gets into 
uh, you know, the starting role. So the first five games, besides the Bengals, I believe it's the Chiefs. Um, they're at the Chiefs, home with the Panthers. And then I think it's two away games where it's the Bucks and, and the Saints. And, I mean, that is those are three of those five teams are amazing, right? Top-tier teams that you consider right now as some of the best in the NFL. So if that five-game span goes by, and let's just say the, the Chargers are one and four, I don't know how the cries for Justin Herbert to start aren't getting so loud that it's going to force the coaching staff to finally make that decision. You know, how good do they have to be through those first five games for Tyrod to take his job? Will he survive if they're two and three? I really don't know. I mean, the sooner the Chargers get to a point where they're out of playoff contention, where it doesn't look like no matter what they do, they're probably going to see a postseason, I think they'll throw in Herbert. Um, but I think the first five or six games, if they're, you know, depending on how, if they're at 500 or how many games below 500, I think that will tell us a lot about how soon we're going to see Herbert replace Tyrod. So I asked about your, your confidence in Herbert. Mm-hmm. We've got Tyrod Taylor uh, starting the season. It doesn't sound like you're very confident in Tyrod. Um, you know, that's uh, is a mixed bag, I guess, with my with my feelings on Tyrod. I want to be very confident. Obviously, everyone wants to be confident in their starting quarterback. Um, but we can't take what happened, you know, in his last year in Buffalo. Even though he did lead them to the playoffs for the first time in 17 years, he did play down to a level where you know they really thought. Nathan Peterman was going to be a better shot, right? Um, and then, you know, what happened with the Browns happened with the Browns, and he was replaced by Baker Mayfield. You know, I think you can debate on if he got a fair shot in Cleveland, in all honesty. Um, but this is the first time he's been able to really work with uh, Anthony Lynn as his coach again. And, you know, he had success in, in Buffalo. Yeah, they, you know, he wasn't a big risk taker. He, he checked it down a lot, and obviously he uses his leg. He's just going to be a different quarterback. Um, it's a type of quarterback none of these players, most of the players in the Chargers have ever played with. Um, there's just a lot of things that have to gel, a lot of minds that have to change as well. Keenan Allen, you know, just got done playing with Phillip Rivers for his entire career and now plays with a quarterback who, who can move and can and make plays out of structure and, you know, keep plays alive. And, and that's a completely different mindset than playing with Phillip Rivers. Now, where you know the ball is probably going to be coming out real quick because the offensive line, you know, has kind of been a pain uh, weak spies. You know he's probably going to have pressure in his face real quick. There's just a lot of those small details that may add up to stop the entire offense and this team from maybe gelling from week one. So um, I think, you know, you can debate he doesn't have a lot going for him, but at the same time, this is also the best team, best supporting cast Tyrod has ever had in his NFL career. So if he's going to show that he's not just a game manager and, you know, check down Charlie, I think this is a team that's going to help improve that. Is there a hive of people in your fan base that just want to see Easton Stick thrown out there? You know, I don't know how big that minority is or not, um, but there is something like that. I'll tell you what, dude, last preseason was the most fun I think Chargers fans have had watching, you know, the exhibition games, God, in I don't know how many years. You know, and as long as I've been covering them before last season, if Philip Rivers wasn't playing, which he didn't play a lot of preseason games, you had Charlie Whitehurst or Kellen Clemens, I think, were the two main backup quarterbacks. And then for a while, it was uh, Cardale Jones was thrown in. It was not good football when Philip Rivers didn't play in those preseason games. And then usually you want those games to be fun. You see some of the younger guys, but they could not move the ball to save their lives. And then last season, 
Tyrod and Easton Stick, two guys who used their legs and played a type of football that Philip Rivers has never played in his career. It was incredibly exciting. And Easton Stick made some good plays. Yes, he took some bumps and bruises, but for a fifth-round pick, that guy came in and in his own way balled out. So, it, yeah, I, I do believe there's some people who would actually be okay with Easton Stick. Like, if they didn't draft Justin Herbert this year and went into the season with Tyrod and Easton Stick backing them up, I guarantee you uh, quite a few people would have been okay with that. So both these teams just drafted quarterbacks in the, at the top of the draft. For Bengals fans, their biggest concern right now is the offensive line, and the Chargers are not a great team to start off against when you have concerns about the offensive line. Uh, Melvin Ingram, Joey Bosa, uh, as, as Bengals fans who are often Ohio State fans are, are very much aware of how talented that guy is. Uh, we're going to skip over that one for a second, though. We're, we're definitely <laughs> concerned about that defensive front. Uh, but let's talk about the Chargers' uh, offensive line. You mentioned uh, the Pouncey injury. Uh, how does the offensive line look, and, you know, is that a, a concern at all for the Chargers this year? So the offensive line has been a concern, and I, I, I believe will continue to be a concern until proven otherwise, no matter who they add. Um, even after you know an offseason where they added Brian Gulaga, longtime right tackle for the Packers, Trey Turner, who some would say has had uh, a few down seasons, but is still a five-time pro bowler in his own right. Um, they solidify the right side of the Chargers offensive line, which is probably the best they've had in, in again, I don't know how many years. Uh, but on the left side, you have uh, Sam Teddy. So for people who don't know him, he's probably a lesser-known guy in the NFL. But he's been the, the Chargers starter right tackle the last two seasons. Um, he was drafted in 2017 in the sixth round out of Utah. I'll tell you this about Sam Teddy. He's, he's athletic for his size. He's about 6'5", 6'6", 315 pounds. He's, he's at his best when you can pull him out of the space and he can help be a lead blocker. As a pass protector, he is probably, and if you consider, you know, PFF, take with a grain of salt, but one of the worst pass blockers at his position in the entire league as well. And then Dan Feeney, our left guard, has also rated as one of the worst uh, offensive linemen at his position, just guards in general, um, in the last two years as well. So as strong as that right side looks for the Chargers offensive line, the left side is really not looking too hot. And if Mike County, you know, that undisclosed injury, if that's something that keeps him out of week one, you're going to see uh, left guard Dan Feeney get pushed to center, and then you're going to have four slams play and uh, get a start at left guard, which to a lot of people would say, okay, that's an upgrade over um, – James being at left guard before it just obviously hasn't been able to stay healthy. Um, in all, you know, they traded Russell Coon, who was dealing with a pulmonary embolism, uh, for Trey Turner, and I, I think you got, you know, the Chargers got the better side of that trade. Um, it's a better offensive line, one of the better offensive lines that they've had in a while. It might be the best line that feels like if Philip Rivers had this line last year, I think he would have had a much better season. Let's put it that way. But there is no more Philip Rivers. So we'll just have to see how this line, you know, plays well with these mobile quarterbacks. Yeah, the way you're describing it, it sounds like if you put the the right side of the uh, Chargers offensive line and the left side of the Bengals offensive line together, you'd have something pretty good. But uh, <laughs> as it is, uh, we uh, we both have some, some concerns there. Um, Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. 
Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Well, you know what? I mentioned the North Coast State guy. I got to mention the Sioux Falls guy, too. Uh, what, what about uh, Trey Pipkin? Is he, uh, he making a push to tackle or anything? So as far as what we've been told, um, the, the Chargers did a – I don't know if it was something that the entire NFL did, but the Chargers uh, really cut down on how much time reporters and media members to actually watch practice. I think they got 20-ish minutes a day just during individual work. So, you know, a lot of people couldn't see with their own eyes. But from what, you know, Coach Lynn – Telesco, Steichen, all those guys have said um, he has improved quite a bit. Um, just from the eyeball test, it looks like he's he's put on some good weight, maybe shed some of that bad weight, um, much more solid, stocky. I guess looks the part a little bit more than he did last year, the rookie coming out of a, a Division II school, like I said. Um, but obviously didn't win the job. And that is worrisome because when he was picked last year in the third round, a lot of people thought there were better tackles, like, uh, Oklahoma Bobby Evans was on the board. Yanni Kajus from West Virginia. Uh, a lot of people thought they were better players, but they picked Pickens, and they knew it was going to be a developmental project. But he's going into his second year, and you know they they brought Brian Belaga, and so they were like, okay, Kevy's probably going to get a shot at left tackle. But everyone said, no, there's no way uh, Sam Kevy, who was as bad as he was at right tackle, is now going to protect the blind side for our quarterbacks. So we thought this is a shot for Trey Pickens. Well. Trey Pipkins, after, you know, the offseason and, and all his progression, still didn't beat out Sam Teddy, who people do not have a lot of faith and confidence in. So what does it say about Trey Pipkins? Well, it doesn't say anything good right now. Uh, and, again, it's just something that uh, time will tell. But for him not to play uh, or not to beat out Sam Teddy for the starting job at, you know, a position that he plays, um, and Sam Teddy literally just learned over the offseason, and I know, you know, right and left, but there is a big difference. Um, it says a lot, and uh, I don't know. Time will tell with him. Yeah, uh, definitely concerning. He was a guy that flew up draft boards. I think he was one of those guys that everybody was talking about at the at the Senior Bowl. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you never know with some of these guys, especially when you're when you're coming from you know a lower level play, so to speak. Uh, just seeing how fast these guys are going to be able to to adjust. I know. I you know I live I live in uh, Rhode Island myself, so I'm I'm not in the I'm not local to the Bengals, um, but I know Yande Kajus you mentioned, you know he's mm-hmm. he's still fighting you know to to hang on and to get on the field in New England as well. So uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how those those young guys pan out. And the Bengals this year t- t- took uh, Hakeem Adeniji, who was a guy that they kind of fell for at the at the Senior Bowl as well. So. Hopefully uh, that was a, that was a little bit later, but you know, hope, hopefully that one works out for him. 
Now, the Chargers actually had two first-round picks this year. We talk about, we've talked about Herbert already. The other was a linebacker. Uh, Kenneth Murray, guy that Bengals fans had an eye on. You know, linebackers sometimes slip, and uh, a lot of Bengals fans were hoping that they might be able to grab him at the top of round two. Uh, obviously, you know, that's, that's aggressive uh, to, to get Murray there. What, uh, what are your thoughts on Murray, and how, how important do you think it was for the Chargers to address that position? So I'll tell you that I was a big fan of Murray two years ago. I think starting the 2019, no, 18 football season, where I think they started their first game against UCLA. I saw him running around, single digits, jersey pulled up, neck board, just running around like an animal. And all I could think of was, wow, like that's a football player, man. That's someone that you can root for. Like he's going to be a heck of a guy. So, and, and, and he was, right? You know, he was an All-American uh, his final year at Oklahoma, uh, Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year, I think co-Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, I may be wrong on that one. But, you know, he, he went on to have all the accolades and everything you expect from him. Um, as they got closer to the draft, we're all kind of doing our research, throwing the tape. I liked Murray's film. But for a first-round linebacker, I was very skeptical that he had almost zero responsibility in coverage outside of taking a running back to the flat. Other than that, he stayed in the middle of the defense, and he would corral quarterbacks if they tried to run, and other than that, he would take running backs. I had an opportunity to uh, speak with his linebacker coach, uh, Brian Odom, after the draft to just kind of get a better idea of Murray and what, you know, Chargers fans could expect of him. And Odom actually confirmed what my suspicions is that he had you know, almost zero responsibility. And, it's, he, and he wanted to make a point that said, you know, just because he didn't do it doesn't mean he can't do it. But they kept Murray at a place where his reads were, if it looked like it was a run read, no matter what, and what even if he got play action afterwards, he shot out of the cannon to get after the quarterback. And so if you watched Murray's film, it looked like he blitzed all the time. But, it, like, they weren't blitzes. It was just that's how quick he read run, and he pulled the trigger, put his foot in the ground, and, and got upfield. But... I mean, Murray's an athlete that Chargers have never seen at the linebacker position in, in a long time. They dealt with Denzel Perryman, who's 5'11", uh, Jacobus Brown, under six foot. I mean, they've had a lot of these short linebackers who really couldn't uh, do everything that you want a modern-day linebacker to do. And I think that's why they went uh, and made a point to trade an extra draft pick to get up and get Murray again. He's a player that they haven't had in a while in the middle of that defense, and he has all kinds of potential. And he's shown that. Uh, the coaches can't stop raving about his explosiveness. The players talking about how he just looks like a creative player, right? He's 6'2 and a half, 245 pounds, um, can run like the wind, sideline to sideline, you know, explosiveness and speed. Uh, he's everything he wants. But again, you know, taking him from a defense in the Big 12 and putting him in an NFL defense where he may have to cover a tight end, where he may have to try and influence a, a slot receiver, um, and do things that he wasn't used to doing, right? Dropping back, reading uh, offenses, and trying to make plays on the ball. You know, he, he never did it in Oklahoma. I don't think he had a single interception. So there's plenty of things to worry about with him going forward. But as of right now, everything coming out of training camp has been positive. And, again, take that, you know, as a positive in and of itself. If you're not hearing negative stuff, then, you know, how bad can it really be? Yeah, they, they, I mean, they got him slotted at the top of the uh, depth chart right now, right? Yeah, so uh, for all of you, yeah, the, the Chargers podcast, podcast depth chart 
just came out. Um, and as far as linebackers go, and, and the Chargers play normally in, in nickel. That's their most uh, you know common uh, package where they have two linebackers. But when they're in their base, it looks like Kaiser White starting at Sam, strong side, uh, that we all knew. Denzel Perryman is starting at middle linebacker. But then Kenneth Murray listed as a starter at uh, Will linebacker. And I'll just say what's surprising there is they said that they were only having Kenneth Murray start or play really one position through all of camp. They said before they tried to move him anywhere else, they kept him at one linebacker position and they wanted him to learn that. Everyone thought that Drew Tranquil, last year's fourth-round pick, was going to be their will linebacker and Kenneth Murray was going to play their Mike. But it looks like Murray is actually getting a start at weak side linebacker and veteran Denzel Perryman will get the start um, at Mike. So, yes, he is listed as a starter, but it is at a different linebacker position than pretty much the entirety of the fan base thought he was going to play. Hmm. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, like you said, uh, with all the time they spend in nickel, you know, is he starting or is he starting? You know what I mean? <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Can't, can't do air, you can't do air quotes very effectively on podcasts, but you get it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah I mean, yeah, definitely a great athlete. And I think that was uh, – Bengals fans were looking really deep into him as well. And, yeah, definitely concerned that he was pretty much spying or covering running backs and there wasn't much else, but – Definitely has the, the physical tools, so if he can, if he can, you know, process and read the quarterback and do the things he needs to do in coverage, uh, could be could be a good one for them. Uh, but hopefully not yet in week one. <laughs> uh, hey, another linebacker that you didn't mention, uh, I'm just going to throw out there is uh, former Bengal Nick Vigil. Uh, what, what's what's going on with Vigil? Is he, he uh, is he pushing for playing time at all or anything? I'd say he's going to get some snaps, but from everything we've heard, it sounds like he's going to be a core special teamer. And I know that it sounds like quite the drop from being a starter for you guys last season to, you know, where he is now. But on the depth chart, he's listed as the backup Mike linebacker to uh, Denzel Perryman. If anything, a lot of us thought he was going to be the backup Will to either Drew Tranquil, um, I guess Kenneth Murray at this time. But uh, I don't see how he doesn't get snaps. The, the, the Chargers still love playing veterans over, you know, younger players. Um, they said he's smart. They said he's got a great football IQ. He plays with a ton of effort. Um, but, again, for the most part, it does sound like he's going to be one of the core special teamers um, to replace a lot of the guys that they lost. I think they lost three or four of their top tacklers for coverages and stuff like that. Um, and it, right now it sounds like that's going to be his main responsibility, and if he can impress and, and look better than some of these younger guys, then he'll probably earn more time on defense. Yeah, to be honest with you, the Bengals needed to make uh, some major changes at, at linebacker last year. I thought he played a lot better last year than he had in the past, and you know some of the things you, you, you were saying about his effort and you know and how – how intelligent he is. Those are the same sort of things coaches have been saying about him, but never really clicked for him. Um, but I did think last year he got to a point where he was, he was serviceable. He was manageable. Like I, I wouldn't have minded them bringing him back for, for short money, uh, you know, and, and then seeing what they got in the draft and, you know, just knowing that you had that guy. So you didn't have to make a push on a guy in the draft. So um, yeah, I think, it sounds like they've got a pretty good idea of, in a short time of, of what he is and then, uh, what he can do for them. So I think that's probably what he would have been doing for the Bengals at this point too, if he if he stuck around. Um, now I, I mentioned the injury to, to James earlier. Um, you know, at, at safety they've got some pretty pretty good talent at safety. Nazir Adderley stepping in a little bit unproven. 
Uh, corners stacked, though. Uh, Casey Hayward, Desmond King, and now Chris Harris Jr., one of my uh, – I'm a, I'm a big DB guy, and he's one of my personal favorite NFL players. Um, how do you think they're going to use those guys? I know Harris is excellent in the slot but can play on the outside as well. I believe King played about half of his snaps last year in the slot. Do you think that that will be a game plan thing? Do you think they will be following receivers, or how do you expect them to, to uh, deploy their, their corners? I think a lot of it will come down to, to who they're playing in, in those types of matchups. But as of right now, you've got Casey Hayward. Um, across from him is either going to be Chris Harris Jr. or Michael Davis. Uh, Davis has been their starter outside um, up until, again, Chris Harris coming in. But since he can play outside, uh, probably just as well as Mike Davis can. Um, he's going to get some snaps there. When they go nickel, Chris Harris will be their first guy in at slot corner. When they go dime, uh, they're going to probably have Desmond King uh, play that dime one, and then sometimes when they're in nickel, they'll also have Desmond you know, swap in with Harris. I think that's going to be – I don't know how you don't make that a matchup thing, right? They're all good at what they're good at. Um, Chris Harris, I'll tell you what, he had a, he had a statement, uh, I want to say a couple weeks ago, where he said that they've – you know, I mean, Desmond King's been a first-team All-Pro corner before, right? At slot corner, um, same as Chris Harris. But Chris Harris made some statement that's like they haven't had a, a slot corner like me. Basically, saying you know it wasn't like a jab at, at King, but he basically said that you know they've had a good slot corner, but I'm a completely different breed of slot corner, making it sound like he could do more, right? And I mean, that's great to still hear that he's had that, that confidence. Uh, it's still there in him. Um, as far as their safeties, without Derwin James, I like to call them Derwin duties because Derwin can do so many different things. And, it, like, no matter who replaces him, it's going to be a group effort. You know, there's, a, there's not a one-in-one replacement uh, for Derwin. So what you're going to see is Desmond King, Rayshon Jenkins, and Nasir Adderley take turns doing the things that Derwin can do. And Nasir Adderley is probably going to be used on the back and uh, the most of the thing like safety when they go for those looks. Desmond King um, will probably be doing a lot of the up near the line of scrimmage type things. That's what he did as a rookie himself, uh, who had three and a half uh, sacks as a rookie defensive back, which is crazy. I think it tied the NFL record at the time. Um, and then Rayshon Jenkins, who uh, was the team's starting free safety last season, was Derwin's backup in 2018. So he also knows the strong safety position and knows a lot of those responsibilities. So my best bet is that you're going to see those three players take a group effort to try and replace everything that Derwin James was going to do this season. Yeah, I think Harris is a big addition for the Chargers, in, in my opinion, because uh, just when he was in Denver, um, I loved watching him match up against Travis Kelsey. Um, and, and I think that's, you know, part of what he's saying with that, you know, I, I think there's some very good slot corners in the NFL that are going to have problems covering a, covering a big tight end like that. And, you know, the, in the same Reich, when you're out there watching practices and everything, I'm, I'm sure most, uh, you know, most very talented nickels in the, in, in, uh, excuse me, on the uh, charges he can bring in, you know, they're going to have trouble covering a guy like Hunter Henry. So that'll be, that'll be interesting. Um, you know, the Bengals coming in, Obviously, A.J. Green is, is returning this year, but it seems to me that the, the tide might be shifting a little bit more towards Tyler Boyd, especially with what we've seen at Burrow and, and the way he likes throwing to the slot with, with Justin Jefferson in, in college. So you think uh, 
you know, would you think that, that Harris would be the guy that would uh, be matched up on, on board most of the time? Uh, yeah, I actually think so. Um, Casey Hayward loves matching up with their, their number ones. And, and right now, you know, Boyd may actually be, you know, I guess their, their best receiver with, with Green coming off, obviously, all his injuries. Um, but I know Hayward was the one who always went up against Julio. He went up against Corlin Sutton of the Broncos. Um, so I can't see Hayward not probably spending most of his time with uh, uh, A.J. Green. And with Boyd sounding like he's going to be your main slot receiver, working a lot out of that area, I don't see how he doesn't uh, get Chris Harris most of the time. Maybe you'll see some Desmond King on him as well. And, you know, this is probably he's their third guy probably in the slot, but Nasir Adderley actually has been getting some run as a slot defender as well. Um, a lot of people probably don't know, but he spent his first two seasons at Delaware as a cornerback before making the switch to safety and then having a bunch of success there. He did have a bunch of success as a cornerback for um, the Bluehead. So I wouldn't be surprised in some passages, depending on, on who's out there, that Nasir is also seen in the nickel covering tight ends and some slot receivers. All right. Well, uh, again, today my guest was Michael Peterson, uh, who covers the, the Chargers for SB Nation. Uh, Michael, where can people find you on Twitter and find your work? Yeah, so again, uh, I cover the Chargers for BolsFromTheBlue.com. It is SB Nation's Chargers community. And then on Twitter, uh, my handle is ZoneTracks, and that's spelled Z-O-N-E-T-R-A-C-K-S. That's where you'll find pretty much everything else I do involving my work in the Chargers. So uh, go give it a ring. All right, awesome. So uh, thank you for, uh, for joining us. We'll have this type of content coming all year long in terms of uh, previews, talking to experts from the teams we're, we're going to face. And, uh, obviously, a, a lot of us are a little bit behind on what's going on in the NFL at large, although, although we know what's going on in Cincinnati. Uh, so we'll have great guests like this all year long. Make sure you are subscribing and, uh, and, and liking, giving us a rating. Uh, definitely helps more Bengals fans to find us. And coming up this weekend, we've got a brand-new show. It's going to be live on YouTube and Facebook, and that is the Bengals Virtual Tailgate. Uh, you can find that on the Orange and Black Insider YouTube page or the Cincy Jungle Facebook page. Uh, live show, tailgate uh, atmosphere, but we're going we're gonna to talk some ball, have some great guests, uh, be live for an hour before every game. So make sure you're checking that out and subscribing for that as well. So once again, I'm Matt Minnick from Cincy Jungle. Thank you for joining us today and who day. Yeah, we coming forward with sours. You hear the crowd coming forward with sours. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.